Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. (laughs) Hey, guys. Great to see you here this morning. A couple quick uh, announcements. We are having evening service tonight. We're starting a sermon series out of the book of Philippians. So if you want to join us tonight at five o'clock here at City Heights at five o'clock, we're going to open up the book of Philippians on looking at the fat life, looking at the fat life, P-H-A-T for those who have the bonics. That's an acronym of the book of Philippians. Come out and and hear about it um, there. Also, guys, this is... um, Thank you notes from the public schools this week. Uh, Sean and the outreach teams went out and uh, uh, Pastor Brent and all the team went out to the public schools and we just did an appreciation for the teachers and, and we went out and brought meals to them. We went out and blessed them. We just went out and encouraged the principals and they wrote a bunch of, gave us a bunch of pictures and thank you notes and, and everything that goes with that. And we just want to let you know, look at, hey, this is just a Sunday morning church. We're an everyday church. So I just want you to understand that we go out and we minister to the people every single day, whatever God brings our way. So we were outside with the police department, the teachers in the community this week, just blessing them, say we love them, we appreciate them, um, and we just want to let them know we're here for them um, with that. So, so just give thanks unto the Lord this morning as we are going to enter into that. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the Gospel of Luke this morning. Gospel of Luke, the ninth chapter. We're going to continue our sermon series on biblical discipleship uh, this morning. I know it's, as I've studied, I know it's challenged me, and I know it's probably challenging you as we've been looking at what it means to be a biblical follower of Jesus, what that looks like, what does that mean. And I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you even more um, this morning. And uh, the further I get into it, the further I start studying it, the further I realize that I'm far from it sometimes. Like when I write my sermons, guys, it's not just for me. I mean, for you, it's for me too. As I sit at the feet of Jesus and I'm saying, Lord, what are, what are you calling us to? And as I got into this text here, it challenged me in my own thinking and my own walk with Jesus. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 9, look at 23 to 26. We'll bounce a little bit either latter part of chapter 9 also this morning. A lot of us are often fond of Black Friday, right? The day after Thanksgiving it is a day when people, many people go to the stores to, to, that offer up discounted deals for, for their products. And people will line up for, for hours to get into the store to retrieve their desired purchase item. They will endure crowded parking lots, cold and rainy weather, rude people to purchase material items for family and friends. Hmm. I think the church, I think the church has become like Black Friday sometimes. Church has become the, the Walmart in some sense. If we can receive Christ at a reduced price and a minimal cost and a low expectations, then people are in. But as soon as you see the cost, the seats in the parking lots become empty. The gospel is costly, costly and grace is not cheap. I, I want you to hear that this, this morning as we've been studying through what it means to be a biblical disciple. Following Jesus is just much deeper than just saying a sinner's prayer. A disciple is fully committed to follow Christ in every area of his life. A disciple is Jesus as his Lord and Savior, meaning he's, he is saved from the wages of sin and is commanded to follow him and submit to him as Lord. A disciple is one who loves God and obeys his commandments. 
A disciple is one to always put God first in everything, regardless of the cost or the consequences. That is the call by which Jesus is calling us when we take it on the call to come follow him. And so I'm going to dive in deep here. This morning, we're going to jump into the deep side of the pool. We're not going to be going ankle deep this morning as we find in the book of Ezekiel. We're going to go be above the knee. We're going to go above the waist. We're going to go above that. We're going to be immersed in him this morning in his Holy Spirit. And I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will speak to you this morning because the Holy Spirit has to speak to you this morning because I can't speak in the flesh. For if I speak in the flesh, you will not understand. But I have to speak in the Spirit to you this morning. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. I pray this morning that your spirit speaks because the words I bring are going to be difficult. But I pray that the Holy Spirit, as we've worshiped this morning, that's begin to cultivate the hearts, the soil of the heart, that the word might be planted in good soil to produce 30, 60, 100 fold this morning. I'm praying this morning your Holy Spirit would begin to teach us because your Holy Spirit is the teacher, your scripture says. But we know that the Holy Spirit is also the convictor, convicts us of things in our own life to bring about transformation. So I pray that the Holy Spirit would do its work because I trust the third person of the Trinity, the person of the Holy Spirit, to do what he does because he's faithful to, to what he does. And so I thank you and I praise you and I honor you, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're looking at Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 23 this morning. It says, then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in the Father and of the holy angels. We're going to be looking at three things this morning. And the first one this morning is this. A disciple is one who desires to put Christ first. A disciple is one who desires to put Christ first. You know, several years ago, I was invited to a presidential, uh, the president's prayer breakfast in Washington, D.C., I got an invitation to come to join some pastors to go. Me at that time was President Barack Obama to go. And I remember when I received that invitation, I was excited about going. I was, in fact, that week I dropped everything to go out to Washington, D.C. to participate in this prayer breakfast. I even had the opportunity to meet the president. But the reality is this, I was willing to, I was going to change my schedule, change whatever I was doing, drop everything I was doing to go. Listen, this morning, today, you've been given an invitation, have been given an invitation to follow Christ. The God who created the heavens and the earth and the sea, the one who breathes life into you, he's given you an invitation. And yet, many are hesitant to receive the invitation. It's hard for them to drop everything and go. He, was, he, is, he is worth more than any casual commitment. He's more than a few Sundays a month attendance. He's looking for total abandonment and supreme adoration. When Matthew, the tax collector, was called, he dropped everything to follow him. When Peter was at the boat, he, and Jesus called the father, he dropped everything to follow him. And James and John, when Jesus called the father, he dropped everything to, to follow him. That is what Christ is asking of us this morning. To be my disciple, you need to drop everything to follow me. And you need to put me first. He needs to be first in our life. Look at verse 23. 
Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. God is not looking for us to have a casual relationship with him. It's because a casual desire has no cost. A casual desire has no costs. That word desire can be translated in this verse. Anyone wishes or wants, that's the word desires or to come out. If anyone has an interest in me, you know what our relationship with Christ can be casual, like a casual friend? Think about what's happening in the context here in Luke chapter nine. Jesus has just cared for the multitudes. He just fed the, the five thousands and he began healing the sick. Surely the multitudes wanted to follow him. Hey, I just got blessed. I'll consider following Jesus. I mean, I just got some nice fish tacos on the Sea of Galilee in the mountain. Great health plan. Ah, yeah, I'll be, I'm willing to, to follow him. Let me tell you, casual followers can be consumers of the faith. And there's no cost on their parts. But what is Jesus going to do? He's going to put these, these casual followers in check. He's going to check their desire. Consider your desire. Consider the cost of what you're, what you're thinking and the commitment you are making. Because it's not casual. Because Jesus is not looking for a casual relationship. He's looking for a committed relationship. See, what, what is Jesus doing in the text here as we get to this verse, right? He, he's, he's challenged in feeding of the 5,000 to say, I'm the bread of life. And then he turns to the disciples. And what does he say to the disciples? Hey, who do people say that I am? Some say you're John. Some John the Baptist or Elijah the prophet or another prophet who's risen from the dead. We see that in verses 18 to 20. And then what does he do? He begins to ask them a specific question. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, obviously, the spokesperson of the disciples said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the, you're the anointed one. Wow. You're getting it here. Only the Spirit can reveal that to you. What is he doing? He went from the multitudes to the 12, and he's really gonna to speak to us this morning. Because before you can even make a, a cost or consider the cost of following me, I wanna know who you're gonna follow. Who are you following? Let me point to you the one you're gonna follow right now. If you say he's the Messiah, he's the one coming, and you're gonna to commit to that, because right now, I'm on my way to Jerusalem to die, he says. I'm on my way to be crucified and be buried and raised again. I'm on my way, and he, I'm gonna go get this crucified life, and I'm calling you to the same life. I'm calling you to the crucified life. So if you're understanding where I'm going with this, I'm, I'm, I'm laying it down. This isn't a casual life. He's drawing in the disciples to understand biblical understanding of what it means to be a disciple and a follower of him. The longer you walk with God and study his word, you'll discover this walk with God was never meant to be casual. It was meant to be sacrificial. Sacrificial. Franklin talked about that this morning in the worship. Sacrificial. We're to be living sacrifices. And so Jesus is shares that he's going to Jerusalem to suffer, die, and rise again. So he turns to his disciples and shares what it costs to follow him. And it will be the same cost for you to follow him. 
So he begins to lay out a disciple's daily disciplined walk. We see that in verse 23 again. First of all, a disciple must deny himself. Number one, a disciple must deny himself, right? The, the word deny in the Greek means to lose sight of oneself or one's own interests. To deny, deny yourself means to, you live in an other-centered life, looking at the interests of others, that your life is a life of love, is a life of love. The church should be known for its love. He says, I'll know you're my disciple, and they will know you're my disciples for your love for one another. That should be the landmark. That should be embranded. That should be what the world sees about the church. Many of you know that uh, Marissa Lona lost her second son. She's lost two kids in the last six months. She was in Arizona, and I know a lot of the brothers and pastors have gone out there, and we've been ministering to her family. She was in just to finish the memorial service for her second one. I want to, you want to express your love right now? And that's one of our E4 purposes, to express our love to God and others. We have a card for her at the Welcome Center. After church, I want you to go over there and write her a loving note saying we're praying for you and we're thinking about you. As simple as that is what we need to be known for. As simple as loving one another. Because to deny yourself means to quit focusing on things that please you. Turn from your selfish way and focus on Christ and have this servant's heart for those around you. We have to be known to put others first. Well, pastor, you don't know who I hang out with. I think marriages would be stronger if we put others first. Parenting would be stronger if we put others first. Workplaces would be better if we put others first. Abraham let Lot choose the land, and he was the elder. Like Moses, he suffered affliction with the people of God. Like the widow who gave her last meal for Elijah. Like Esther, who was willing to give up her lives for God's people. Like the widow who gave her might for the treasury. Like Barnabas, who gave up his possessions for the service of the kingdom of God. Listen. If we're to take on the image of Christ and take on his character qualities, we have to know what those character qualities are in order to be a reflection in the image of him. We read that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, if there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, we belong to God. We belong to Christ. Any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? to make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other and loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose that's called unity. Don't be selfish. You hear that? Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Remove your ego. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Don't look out for your own interest, but take interest in others too. Man, what if we just lived by those four verses? How would this world look? So we see we must deny ourselves. 
That's by denying ourselves, we're expressing love. We don't always have to be right, and we don't always have to win. So deny yourself. You want to be my disciple? You got to deny yourself. Second, you want to be my disciple? You must die daily. You must die daily. It says here, take up your cross daily. When you come to the altar, that was the first day. But every day you're dying daily. Not my will, but thy will, God. Not my glory, but for your glory, God. Die daily. Wake up in the morning, Lord, Lord, may today I just serve you in love. Let my, let my flesh not overcome my spirit. Jesus was going to the cross and was on his way to Jerusalem to die. And now he's challenging the disciples. You have the same journey of the cross as I do. Guys, we want victory. We want success. It starts with dying to ourselves. And there are things that we definitely need to put to death. There's things that we need to put to death. There's things that we need to bury in our life. There's things that we need to, to put in a grave. When you were baptized, you were buried in him, right? You were buried in him. That means you put it to death, to raise to newness of life. Guys, some of you are holding on to the dead part of your life. You need to bury it and it's dead. To be able to walk in newness of life. Quit going back to the graveyard. Quit going back to the, the graveside and digging that junk back up. But doesn't mean that that stuff doesn't rear its ugly head. That old nature doesn't rear its ugly head. That old addictions, that old struggles, that old lies don't raise its ugly head. God, I'm crucifying this thought today. I'm taking every thought captive for bringing down those strongholds because I got some crazy thoughts going on in my head right now, Lord. Unhealthy thoughts, selfish thoughts, angry thoughts. Taking it and burying it instead, Lord. I'm gonna put some things away. Maybe we need to bury the flesh desires. Maybe sometimes we even need to bury our desires of comfort. Maybe there's some relationships we need to bury and get rid of. Maybe there's some idols in our lives we worship more than we worship you. Maybe those things need to be buried and put to death. See, in the Roman world, before a man died on the cross, he would carry his cross. Some thought it might even just been the cross beam because this was an instrument of torture and humiliation and death. It was a one-way journey. Guys, we are on a one-way journey, right? No turning back the cross before me, the world behind me, that old hymn. We're on a one-way journey. The journey of suffering and humiliation and death to even our reputation. Everybody wants a reputation, right? Sometimes our reputation precedes us the one we don't want. I love Max Anders, pastor in his commentary wrote this. The final road you travel as you follow me leads to a criminal's cross. Not a gold on a chain that enhances the reputation of the artist. Not a massive cross on top of a that marks off a holy place. No, this cross is among the world's cruelest instrument of torture. You cannot wear this cross. You must bear it. You must bear it to the government places of capital punishment. It becomes for you the gas chamber, the electric chair, the lethal injection all rolled up in to one, we're called to a crucified life. A crucified life. And when we crucify our life, it only leads to one thing, the Lordship of Christ. The Lordship of Christ, right? To die means that, to die to self means we submit to the, the Lordship of Christ, meaning that God 
is our authority. He's the head of our life. He is our masters. We are his slave. That's why Paul would often refer to himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ, as a slave of Jesus Christ. We think that in the negative term in the world, but actually it's a good term. He is our Lord and Savior. He rescues us and leads us. And so we have to put God back on the throne of our lives. We have to submit to him daily as Lord. See, Lordship will happen when we fully understand and receive all that Christ has done for us. He purchased us with a price. The Passover was approaching. Thank you, Brent. You cannot call him Lord and say no to him. You cannot call him Lord and say no to him. Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. You know what? Here it is. Third thing here in the sense, a disciple doesn't look back. A disciple doesn't look back. He says to follow him. <laughs> Before Twitter was popular, Jesus had it, right? Oh, come on now. All right. Many have Twitter accounts. I have a Twitter account. And, and when we read our famous celebrity or our pastor for their thoughts, and we like what we have to say, we, we retweet their words or tweet their words or retweet their words. Listen, Jesus had a Twitter account before we even had a Twitter account, right? He called us to, to follow him and then share and tweet his words. To, to post it. Right? He's calling us to that, to not look back. Drop down to verses 57 to 62 in the same chapter. We're reading here of some that wanted to come follow him. They wanted to follow him and they wanted, one wanted to say, I'm here to follow you, Jesus. I'm willing to follow you. And, and Jesus looks at him and says, birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Are you willing to have the same poverty? Are you willing to struggle the way I struggle? Are you willing to go the same baptism? I'm going through the baptism. Are you willing to go through that? That's, that's, what, it, that's what it says here. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, them, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And then he said, another one, follow me. Now Jesus is calling it. The first one said, I'll follow you, but now Jesus is going to call this one, the next one right? Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. He said, look at, first one had to do with, you're going you're to deal with poverty. Let's, let's talk about parents. He's not, Jesus is not being disrespectful that you don't take care of your parents, but don't let your responsibility of your parents get in the way of Jesus. You still have a kingdom purpose. You still have a follow, you have to still be obedient to follow him and preach the kingdom of God. I was just up and taking care of my dad the last couple of days. I love my dad. I'm going to care for my dad, but doesn't mean he gets in the way of me doing the, the work of the business of the father. In fact, taking care of my dad is doing the business of the father. Ministering to him and discipling him in the things of Jesus, having conversations about that. Because that's discipleship. Discipleship isn't just what we do on Sunday morning. Discipleship is life on life breaking bread and, and talking. And he's saying here, what is he he's saying in the passage? You're, you're saying, hey, let me go, let me go, let me go be with my, my pops, right? That's what you're saying. 
Let me go bury. You know what he was saying? He said, let, let me go take my guy so when he dies, I can get the inheritance. And then when I'm, I'm secure, now Jesus, I'll come follow you. That's what he was saying. And then another one says this. And another one said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell. Who are at my house? He's talking about his family. But Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know what? We could even put our family before God. We could put our children before God. We, 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 we could do a lot of things. Look at God's blessed us with the children, our children and our family. We are stewards of them. Did you hear what I said? We are stewards of them. They're still God's. <laughs> God's given us for a season. And our job is even then as disciples to make disciples of our children. But people say, oh no, I, I don't want to go to church because that's my Sabbath day. I've been working all week. I've heard people say that. Don't forsake the fellowship. Hebrews 10. We can't make our families idols. You violated the first commandment that God had given us. So we have to be careful of that. But the point was, if you turn back, <laughs> you're fit for the plow, you, you, you're, you're going to be off. If a man's harvesting a ground, he looks back, he can't keep the line straight. When we keep looking back, things are going to be crooked going forward. Don't look back. What, what is... What is he saying? By putting God first, by denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him, this is the life we're called to live. It's described in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one dies for all, then all died and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We're living for him. We seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto us. That's, that's the first thing, God first. Here's the second thing. A disciple desires to lose his life for Christ. A disciple desires to lose his life for Christ. That's the second thing. See, we win when we lose. I want you to hear that. We win when we lose, that's the paradox of the kingdom. Everything is opposite. The, tw the chosen 12 were losers in the eyes of those who thought they were winners. The famous missionary, James Calvert, a desire to reach the indigenous people of Fiji Island, of the Fiji Islands for Christ. He was warned by the captain of the ship to turn back. You will lose your life and those who travel with you. And, and his reply, James's reply was this, we have died before we even came. We died before we even came. I love Rick Warren said this, when you live in light of eternity, your focus changes this from how much pleasure am I getting out of life to how much pleasure is God getting out of my life? First of all, verse 24, Luke chapter nine, prophet comes when we lose. Right? For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. There's the paradox. There's the opposite. Right? Those who desire to save their life, those, those are ones that might be even earthly-minded. They're more focused on this side of heaven than the next. In fact, the word desire here can mean to delight in pleasure. For those who delight in the pleasure of, of this world, find life in this world, find purpose in this world... They lose sight of the eternal. Those who want to live in the uh, American dream and 
maybe go and get an education and, and have a family and 2.3 kids, which I don't know what that means, but 2.3 kids, I don't know where the third of the kid is, I, I don't get it. House and kids and they have all this thing, they have their retirement all worked out. They plan for this, right? They, they, they build for prestige, they, they work for profit, they gain and live for self-glory, right? And for them, they live by the profit and loss of their life and their business or in their lives. And they work hard to amass wealth. Wealth, Matthew, is not the problem. That's not the problem. God has no problem with wealth, Right? But those who do this, do it without a relationship with the one who gave him wealth. In fact, Deuteronomy 18 says, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. I'm not here to speak against wealth. God uses money to further his kingdom. It's, that's not the issue. But many on this side of heaven trying to save their lives, right? They're planning for their earthly retirement with no plan for their spiritual retirement. God calls them foolish. For the bottom line is in the red. They've lost. They've lost. We win when we lose. But those willing to give up their lives for Christ have become rich. We know that we become rich in faith. See, if we die to self, we win in Christ. It's like a suicide bunt, right? You sacrifice yourself for God's gain. And even in the sacrifice bunt, the whole team wins. Listen, there's great peace and victory in Christ. We don't have to strive to protect all we have because it's not ours to protect in the first place. It's all God has given us. It's all his anyways, right? We're not going to get upset when someone scratches our new car or breaks something in our house because we value more kingdom things than we do earthly things. We are more heavenly minded than we are earthly minded. Because for the calling minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He's, he's saying, look at here. I want you to take a look at this. If you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life, you'll win it. Paradigm, paradigm shift in our thinking. If you go all the way to Luke chapter 18 and 19, we're getting introduced to two rich men the rich young ruler and the rich tax collector named Zacchaeus. We, we see that, right? One appears righteous. The rich young appeared righteous. He, he obeyed all the laws and the unrighteous tax collector, nobody liked him, right? And when he called him to follow, when he called him to, to commitment, one couldn't give away his riches where the other gave half away. One went away sad and the other went away rejoicing. One lost his life and one found his life. So we find here. Here it is. Profit loss when we win in verse 25. He sums it all up. For what profit is a man if he gains the whole world and he himself destroys or lost? He's bringing it to, okay, hey, you have, you have to choose. Save your life or lose your life. Because what, what gain do you have if you get everything? In fact, Jesus gives us a parable about this in, in Luke chapter 12. He said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness for 
One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Hey, your identity and what you have, your life is not in what you get and what you earned and how you, do, how you have it. It's, it's not having the, 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 the MDivs or the PhDs. Our life doesn't consist of that. Then he spoke a parable to him saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. Man, he had a lot of money. He had business that prospered. And he thought within him saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store up my crops? Man, I got all this stuff. Maybe I'll go down to storage place over here. What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build graters. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So does he who lays up treasures for himself and it's not rich toward God. It calls him a fool, right? What if you get everything you wish for? What if you won the lotto? Because I know some of you do that all the time. <laughs> what if you win on this side of heaven? What profit, what advantage is that you're gaining in everything? See, avoiding the crucified life might lead to victory in this world, but loss in the next in fact, Matthew writes, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will a man give up for, the, for this world's good? What will you compromise? Your self-respect, family, health, peace of mind, depression, anxiety for the goods of this world? Jesus was offered the world during his temptation and he turned it down. Satan will do the same to you. He'll offer you the world. And the problem is when you get the world, you'll have to sustain it. You have to keep it. You have to protect it, right? The word sustaining will only destroy you. You'll be destroyed and you'll be lost, it says in the passage. If you gain everything, you'll be destroyed and be lost. The word destroy means to kill you. Some of you are, are working for this world sometimes and man, you're, you're killing yourself. You have ulcers, stress, heart problems, heart attacks, high blood pressure, and the list of medical things could go on. The question is, I'm saying, what will you die for? What will you die for? You're dying for something that will perish. It's these world goods. You'll be destroyed, you'll be killed, and you'll lost. It means you'll be hurt by it or damaged by it. How many relationships have you hurt because you didn't submit to God's way? How many marriages and damages because they didn't die to self? How many people's integrity was lost to compromise? Luke says in 6, 46 and 49, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundations of a rock. And when the floods arose, the streams beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. But the one who heard and did nothing is like a man who builds his house on the earth without a foundation and against which the streams beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruins of the house was great. When you build in your life, you build on a good foundation, not a foundation of sand, but a foundation of rock. That's what a wise man does. That's what a wise woman does. And thirdly, as we're closing, guys, a disciple 
as a desire not to be ashamed of Christ. As a desire not to be ashamed of Christ. We see that in verse 26. It would be a shame if I married Julie and made a commitment to her. Then after marrying her, I would never take her out in public. I would never want to be seen with her. We could eat dinner and watch a movie together at home. We can share in conversations together at home. She would think I would be strange, inappropriate, and she would think that I was probably ashamed of her. Some of us have made the same commitment to Christ that we have this private relationship with him, but we don't want anyone to know. You identify with him privately, but you're ashamed with him publicly. Look at verse 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his all his glory and his Father and of the holy angels. First of all, a disciple is not ashamed of the truth. A disciple is not ashamed of the truth. We are not ashamed of the living word. We're not ashamed of Christ because we know that Christ was the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. We're not afraid of Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We need to be bold in our belief, not boasting or arrogant, but confident in the one whom we believe. That's where Paul stood. Paul writes about himself. He says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. He went through persecution, difficulties. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I believe and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day, until that judgment day. 2 Timothy 1.12. Paul writes to us, to the church today, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. 2 Timothy 1.8. But I love this about God. Check this out, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11.16. But now they, meaning the disciples, but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. God is not ashamed of us. Why should we be ashamed of him? He says, when we believe on him, he shall put us to shame. Guys, we are not called to hide the fact that we know him. Matthew 5, 15 and 16 says what? No one lights a lamp and puts it under the basket and said a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see that everyone praise your heavenly Father. So we're not to be ashamed of the living word, but we're also not to be ashamed of the written word. The written word. We cannot reject the demands of, the, of discipleship. He's given us some requirements of discipleship. We cannot reject them because his word is inspired, 2 Timothy 3.16. His word has power for his, for, because I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of salvation for all who believe. Those who are ashamed of God and his word have unbelief. Have unbelief. Jesus said this to the disciples, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. <laughs> we're going to talk about that next week. I hope we're like the priest Ezra in the book of Nehemiah, or the book of Ezra. He says, for Ezra had prepared in his heart to seek the law of the Lord and do it, to read it and do it. We have the, in the Bible a book called Acts, right? Acts, it says Acts of the Apostles. They were acts of the apostles because they 
actions that the apostles did, it wasn't just talks about the apostles. It was acts of the apostles. They did what they read. They did what they believed. A disciple should hunger for God's word. It's not an appetizer. It's the main course. What is Jesus doing here? He's doing this as we're closing. Worship team, you can start coming forward. This is Jesus, a radical call to allegiance to him and his word. For whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And he says this, he closed in verse 26. And Christ will return, right? He's gonna return to judge those who are ashamed of him. Jesus is speaking about his return. He's speaking, Jesus is gonna come back. That's the whole gospel. That he died, was buried, rose again, and he's coming back. That's the whole gospel. And after coming back, there are going to be many witnesses present at the judgments. Luke chapter 12, 9 says, But he who denies me before men, he will be denied before the angels of God. Matthew 10, 33 says, But whoever denies me before men, him I also would deny before the Father who is heaven. The Father, angels. 1 John 2, 28, Little children, abide in him. And then when he appears, may we have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If we're ashamed of him on this side of heaven, God's going to be ashamed of us. And we'll all stand before the judgment seat and give an account of what we have done, good or bad. That's what it says 2 Corinthians 5.10. Let me tell you something. Those ashamed of Christ will not hear, welcome, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of the Lord. What is he doing? He's calling disciples, don't be ashamed because I'm going to replace the cross for a crown. I'm going to replace the cross for a crown because there are rewards we get with him. So let me remind you of these things this morning. A disciple's desire. We're going to be a follower of him. A disciple puts Christ first in all things, in every area of your life. A disciple's desire is to lose his life for Christ because if we lose it, we win. A disciple is not ashamed of Christ. He doesn't boast about himself. He boasts in the Lord. And as we're worshiping this morning, I want to challenge you something this morning. I haven't done this in a while. But I want to pray for you. Because as Jesus said, come follow me. Maybe some of you haven't followed him. In fact, maybe some of you thought you were following him. But as we've been studying this word, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about that commitment to follow him. I'm gonna challenge you this morning, if you haven't and you wanna make that commitment and say, look at my view of this faith walk was crooked. But God said, he'll take that which is crooked and makes it straight. As we worship this morning background, I want you to get out of your seat. I just want you to come forward this morning. I know we got COVID, but this is too important because he says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. But if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. I want to pray because I want to pray that the spirit and I want pastors to come behind them. We're going to pray because in order to walk as a disciple, you need to be empowered like Jesus empowered the disciples. As we worship or lead, guys, stand up, come. I just want to pray over you this morning. If that's a commitment you want to make, just come forward now and we'll pray with you now. If that's something you want to do and make that commitment. I want to pray over you now as we're worshiping. If you want to come, I want to pray this. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus today. I want to follow Jesus. 
I'm committing my life to say, Lord, I haven't really understood, but the, I'm hearing your word now. I'm hearing that you're asking a deeper commitment to follow. You're, you're asking me to say, Lord, I'm willing to give it all. I'm willing. I'm willing to, to follow Jesus at any cost in the days that we're living. I'm willing to say, Lord, I want the world to know who you are through my life. I want to be the light to the world. I want to be an example to the world. I want my marriage. I want my business. I want my life. I want my children. I want my family. Some of you have lost family. They're saying, I need God. I need you to be all that you say you are in my life. I need you in my marriage to be God. I need you in my business to be God. I need you in my personal walk to be God. I need this. Pastors, if you're around, lay hands. Father heaven, I just pray now this morning, Lord, for your people. Father, I just pray for those. Maybe you're online and you're standing up online right now and you're saying, well, I'm not, I want you to stand up right now. Even there, God can see all things. And I look at your people, God. You said that you were not ashamed of them. You're not ashamed of them this morning. They're saying, Lord, use me. I'm available. Use me, God. I want to be the light. I want to be your disciple. I want to be your follower. And they're looking at the cost and saying, what? It might even cost me my life. It might even cost me my reputation. It might even cost me some things. It might even cost my relationship with some of my family members. It might even cost me some other deep things that I've held on to that I need to let go of. But they're willing to lay their lives down. Father, I lift them to you. I pray right now to you, saints, Lord, as they consider the cost this morning. I pray now the filling of your spirit upon them, Lord. Fill them up now. That, Father, you're calling them to a deeper walk of love. We sang a song about your presence this morning. Lord, that your heart would, our hearts would be free and that we'd be free from shame. Lord, if there's shame here this morning, if there's guilt here this morning, if there's things this morning that need to be removed, I pray, remove it now, Lord. Remove the guilt, remove the shame that they could walk in the fullness, that they would serve out of the Spirit, that the, the Spirit would be overflowing in their lives. Fill them up now. I pray for your church now. People are standing. Fill them up now, Lord, as they're standing. They're worshiping. God, I ask now, Lord, strengthen your saints. Strengthen them that they would be strong enough. Feeble need, Lord. Give them boldness when they need boldness, God, to share. And give them wisdom when they need wisdom. Give them discernment and the decisions they need to make. For when we lack wisdom, you say, ask for it and you'll give it to us. Give them wisdom, wisdom from heaven, wisdom from you. Fill them. They're coming with open hands, God, this morning. Fill their hands with your blessings. Fill their hands with your presence, Lord willing hearts, God. That's what you want. You said you just want willing, humble, willing hearts. You said those are humble, I will exalt, but those are proud, I will cast. And they come humbly before you, God. Honor their humility. Honor their bending knee. Honor their willingness. We pray now, your Holy Spirit, come now, Lord, and fall afresh anew, that this is a time of refreshing upon them, as your word says in the book of Acts. Make it a time of refreshing. Thank you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.